1: We're back. Hey. Hi, stranger.
0: Hey, what's happening?
1: <laughs> um, it's been a little bit. I, I don't think I've made an appearance season two, so I'm very excited to be here with you today, Anthony.
0: Well, yeah. Thanks for <laughs> finding the time to come on here. So Danielle has, I mean, obviously there's a lot going on, so she... As much as she loves doing this, it's it can be kind of difficult with with kids and her other job and everything else we got going on. So
1: yeah, but so we're gonna a, do it. It's
0: a treat to have you here today.
1: Aw, I have to come on here more often. <laughs> well, today I was thinking we've asked our Instagram followers and some you know uh, customer questions, and I was thinking maybe just asking you a few of them and getting your thoughts.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of excited about this one because we get a lot of these, uh, a lot of the questions that were turned into us were questions we get a lot in the shop as well. So let's dive into them. Let's just go. Okay.
1: Your dog or cat is a member of your family. You want the very best for each and every member of your family, and that extends right down to the food that they eat.
0: For over 30 years, Northwest Naturals has been manufacturing the highest quality raw frozen pet foods in Portland, Oregon. For you, the pet owner, Northwest Naturals comes in convenient packaging, Easy to open, easy to store, and easy to thaw and serve to your pets.
1: Quality ingredients, food safety, and the highest standards for manufacturing practices are what make Northwest Naturals the best complete and balanced raw food for your pet. Find out more in our podcast show notes.
2: We look forward to seeing you at Lifetime Pet Wellness Center. We have a friendly, professional team and offer conventional as well as integrative medical options like acupuncture, chiropractics, nutritional medicine, stem cell therapy, and PRP, and more. Visit us at lifetimepetwellness.com, Instagram, and Facebook to learn more about us.
1: Feeding commercial raw diets for a dog with pancreatitis.
0: Yeah, so this is a big one. And I um, it's interesting, as I was thinking about this question last night, I, we don't ever get – I don't ever see our our like core customers come to me with, with any kind of pancreatitis issues or mm-hmm. pancreas issues at all. It's usually new customers coming in who their dogs are on some kind of processed food. They come in and they're like, all right, my dog is, you know, is getting acute pancreatitis or chronic pancreatitis. What, what do I do? So it's just kind of interesting. And it, and it makes sense from my perspective. It makes sense from some other perspectives. It might not make sense because we always look at fat as the culprit of pancreatitis. And every time a a lot of times people come in, like we need a low fat diet for my dog. He's got pancreatitis. I'm like, well, there's, there's, that's not quite, that's not really the answer. So if it were, I'm not, I'm obviously, I'm not a veterinarian. I'm just telling you what I would do if it was, if, if my dog had uh, some bout of pancreatitis or had been diagnosed with cr- a chronic pancreatitis, kind of what, what would I do in that situation? So if it were my dog that, you know, I'd make sure I would immediately take them off any processed food diet. So I'm talking kibble, canned food, et cetera. And I would personally put them on either answers, fermented raw food or I'd put them on solutions, for fermented raw food, and here's here's why here's why I say that. We know that processed food or kibble um, is high in carbohydrates. Those carbohydrates convert to sugar, um, and you know obviously increase inflammation in the body. These diets also have cooked or rancid fats. So we talk about you know kibble being cooked at over 400 degrees multiple times. They also sit on shelves for years, or in storage warehouses down in Texas, with no temperature control, so these these fats that were you know that are in these fragile fats, especially these omega threes, for example, that are in these bags, are becoming rancid very quickly. So by the time it gets to your dog, your dog's eating rancid fats, which is a huge culprit when we're talking about pancreatitis. Not so much the fat itself, but the the state at which it's in and the quality. And drugs, so steroids, for example, are a major contributor to pancreatitis. So. These are kind of all things we gotta we gotta look into, but a lot of times when we're talking about pancreatitis, we're we're looking at elevated triglyceride levels. So that's like a specific fat molecule that can be tested, and you know these elevated levels are are pretty well known to be associated with um, most types of acute pancreatitis. There is a quote from Doctor Mark Roberts that I think is it kind of sums up my my point, so I'm going to read it right now. He wrote that the dogs consuming a carbohydrate-based and much lower fat diet had higher plasma triglycerides, so those fat molecules, than dogs which consumed a diet greater in fat content. This brings into doubt that fat plays a role in the development of pancreatitis. So again, you know, carb-based low-fat diets in kibble or canned form is, is typically what's offered by, by vets to dogs with any kind of pancreatitis. And my, my problem with that is again carbohydrates bring about inflammation converting you know to sugar and fueling that inflammation and also you know don't forget that dogs and cats have no dietary requirements for for carbohydrates like they don't need them they're totally unnecessary and they're not doing them any good I also have issues with the low fat element of those diets because that only creates stress on both the pancreas and and the kidneys because now we're just pretty much making them, we're taking their fat, the fat away from them. So now they're converting to, now they have to kind of resort to using protein as their source of energy, which can cause a lot of stress on those, on those organs, specifically the pancreas and the kidneys. So again, this is why I like answers or or solutions because they have that one-to-one ratio of protein and fat, which is ideal because now the dog has the right amount of raw, healthy, fresh, unprocessed fat to use as energy. And also the right amount of protein to replenish and rebuild efficiently. Another important detail to mention is that answers and solutions, they're both fermented raw foods. So we see this all the time in our our dog and cat population that we see our dogs and cats uh, aging at a much younger age now. Usually with dogs, I know it's females, it's around six. and males, it's around eight. We're not really sure why, but they're really showing signs of, of aging at that point. And what they attribute that to is when they're eating uh, processed food like kibble or canned food, there's no enzymes in there. So this means that their pancreas—we're talking about their pancreas—their pancreas is now forced to produce those enzymes to break down that food. We as humans, we eat enough—we eat enough fresh food where you know we don't have to supplement with enzymes and stuff. We, we're eating enough fresh food that contain those enzymes for the most part, hopefully. Um, so it's not stressing our pancreas out. But our dogs and cats have no, their, their pancreas is working full time to produce those enzymes so that it can break down that kibble. Um, the problem with that is they have a limited capability of doing that. So when they start hitting six to eight years of age, their pancreas is like, I can't I, I can't do this anymore. I can't keep pumping out these enzymes and breaking down this food full time in overdrive. And it, it really slows down and stops. And then you're not creating those enzymes and you're not breaking down the food like they should. And now you're not absorbing the nutrients. You're not getting the nutrients that... That they should be getting so with the answers or the solutions uh, fermented raw food it's because it's fermented it's loaded with digestive enzymes and probiotics and prebiotics and all kinds of good stuff but specifically dogs with, with pancreatitis like it really takes a lot of stress off of the pancreas to create those enzymes because it's already it's pretty much when I say it's fermented it's pretty much pre-digested for them. So it's really easily digestible and assimilated. So it's super bioavailable to them without making the body work really hard, uh, to break it down and absorb the nutrients. So, um, also, you know, they both, both solutions, uh, pet foods and answers have, uh, raw milks, uh, so like kefir or, or fermented, uh, goat milk, and they contain like 60 plus different types of enzymes. So those are always a good idea as well the supplement with for dogs with pancreatitis. So
1: that's really interesting. Yeah.
0: So that's, that's what I would do if it were my dog suffering from pancreatitis, I'd so, be focused on feeding the right fats and feeding healthy fats and species appropriate food.
1: So what would you tell listeners? Like, obviously if you're in Columbus, you come to fangs and fur, but whatever city you're listening in, uh, would you recommend doing like cold turkey, going to answers and solutions, or is that like a weaning thing? Like what would be your first advice to customers?
0: Um, yeah, you know, that's a good question. Again, I think if it was my, I always kind of look at it in the perspective of if if it were say Mozzie uh, or June or Foxy. I was
1: going to say we have one more.
0: <laughs> that's close one. Um, I would, yeah, I think, you know, I I just, what I know about, a lot of these processed kibbles and a lot of these processed canned foods, and what it can do to the pancreas, I think I would I would want to get them converted to to raw food or species appropriate food as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and you might you know if you don't have answers or solutions in your areas, you're you're going to have some kind of raw food available to you. I mean, there's tons of I mean even like uh, Darwin's is a, a mail to order or a um, or a Viva Raw is another one. I think we hopefully get Viva Raw in the shop here soon know these are and you can reach out to these companies and just just to see what they're, if they have any protocols for pancreatitis. It has specific formulas for it or even just what their their protein to fat ratio is. So that's where I'd start. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah.
1: yeah. We are so proud of our sponsor today, our friends at Steve's Real Food who help make the Fangs and Fur podcast come true. Anthony, what do you like best about Steve's?
0: They're whole food ingredients. They don't use any synthetics and it's real simple. When they come into Fangs and Fur, I always pull out a box of Steve's Real Food and I'll show them what's in their food.
1: So come into our shop to learn more about Steve's from Anthony or visit stevesrealfood.com.
0: All right. All right. So how did how did GGR Girls Gone Raw Pet Health get started?
3: Well, you know, I'd spent my whole life watching our dogs suffer from chronic yeast infections, arthritis, GI issues, and cancer. And after finishing my veterinary science degree and working in the pet food industry for a while, I was exhausted by all of the BS and misinformation being fed to pets and pet owners and decided to take a stand on it. My mission from the beginning has been to be transparent, provide reliable nutrition education, and only use ingredients that actually benefit our pet carnivores.
0: That's amazing because it's it's really hard to sort out the good from the, the sketchy in the pet food realm pet owners just want to do what's, what's best for their animals.
3: Yeah, and that's exactly why we use our social platforms to educate rather than advertise. And we work with amazing health-focused, independent retailers like yourself all over the country. We want to help pet owners feel confident about what they're giving their pets and empower them to boost their pet's health and longevity to its full potential. So get fresh and go raw with us. Follow us on social media at Girls Gone Raw Pet Health or check us out online at girlsgonerawpet.com to see our small batch, dehydrated treats and chews and to get tips on how you can improve your pet's health naturally.
1: Okay, awesome. Uh, Second question. Yeah. Are heartworm... So this came in for cats. Are heartworm meds really necessary for cats? But I think that maybe you speak to both cats and dogs.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is... It's a great question and um, heartworm is... Um, this is a really polarizing topic. I feel like so Let's again. Let's get into it. Again, I'm going to take this in, you know, from the perspective of what do I what do I do for my dogs? And you know, based on our geographical area, we don't live. Obviously, we're not in you know certain parts of Florida or Texas or Hawaii. Uh, you know, we're in Columbus, Ohio. So, based on our geographical area, I personally do not put my dogs on. I don't, I don't want to say I don't, I don't do heartworm prevention. I just don't do your conventional heartworm prevention. Cause there is, um, I do take certain actions and protocols that I, um, what am I trying to say? I take certain protocols, do certain tests, uh, with my dogs, which I'll share with you here in a second. So first and foremost, I, we did a whole, um, we actually did a podcast on this about heartworm specifically. And I think we added the. Dogs Naturally has a really awesome, I've sent this, I've shared this, this PDF with a lot of people. They have a heartworm guide on their website. So if you go to dogsnaturally.com and search heartworm, they have a heartworm guide. That's awesome. It breaks it down by, it kind of goes through the heartworm cycle and also the, how many times a year you need to test or when you need to test depending on where you live. So anyways, I would definitely revisit that one, but I kind of, we're going to kind of walk through some of this stuff right now. The heartworm cycle is really interesting because for the heartworm, the whole cycle can't be completed unless the region's average temperature is 57 degrees or more for at least 45 consecutive days. And then you have to have two weeks of temperatures over 80 degrees on top of that. So it's very, very temperature dependent, you know, so like I hear people giving heartworm meds in the wintertime. So it's, it's not necessary, at least not here where we are. I mean, we're well below 45 degrees and, there's just no way that they can sustain in that environment. Even the American Heartworm Society, on this point, they they even state that the most cautious conventional medical protocols, um, meaning the the year-round heartworm preventative schedule, is unnecessary, with the exception of Florida and and parts of Texas and Hawaii. So, just again, just based on climate and temperature. Mm-hmm. So, for the whole heartworm cycle to complete, so from it to, from it to go to a microfilaria to adult an adult heartworm in a pulmonary artery where it's going to cause issues, that whole process takes at least a minimum of five and a half to eight months. So it's kind of crazy because we do a lot of times people do this like monthly, and it's it's totally unnecessary. I'll kind of walk through. I'm going to go. Um, I'm actually looking at the guide right now, but it's very interesting how this this heartworm cycle works. And I'm kind of going to just read it off to you because I think it's, it's kind of interesting. So first the, the mosquito has to bite a dog that's infected with heartworm. Okay. So, and it has to get the microflora from that dog's blood. All right. So think about just like the odds of that happening. Okay. And then um, the microflora develop into larva within that mosquito that bit that, that positive dog. That mosquito has to bite your dog, okay? So the larva from the infected mosquitoes enters your dog. The larva develop within the tissue. And then approximately five months after, after that, young adult heartworms are present in the heart and appear in the pulmonary arteries. These worms mature and produce six months after infected microfluaria may be found in the blood. So again, that whole cycle has to take about five and a half to eight months. So, um, let me go back to my notes wow. here. You can take, so there's there's something called the microfilaria test. It's like a PCR or DNA test. Uh, we do it based on our region. We do it uh, mid-August and then again at the end of November. And your vet will probably want to do like a, uh, I think it's the 40X snap test to just to make sure that your dog's not positive for heartworm now. And then, moving forward, they'll do the the microfloria test and so if your dog so if you keep up with these tests the, the the important thing is is that you have to do the test every year, okay you can't miss them so it's it's for us it's every August and then every November. Say my dog's tested positive for the microfloria. say no big deal. I just give them a round of the it's probably like ivermectin or, or whatever the the heartworm drug is. Which acts as, which acts retroactively, by the way, to kill whatever is in their system and then and move on. That's it's done. And then we test again in November for microfloria. Now the important thing is if your dog tests positive for heartworm, like adult heartworm in the pulmonary artery, that's different. You don't you don't you know, then there's a whole different heartworm protocol that you have to go through with your vet. You don't administer the just the conventional meds at that point. But my point is this if you're testing, if you're doing the testing, you're doing the DNA test or the, the microfloria test when you're supposed to it's 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 foolproof so that would be that would be you know and I know this question was for is for cats specifically um
1: yeah is that the same process then
0: it is and you know because it's it's through mosquitoes now a lot of these cats you know most cats are house cats so they're not even outside a lot and you know it's crazy again I my, my whole thing is like focusing on on the diet and and making sure we're keeping their gut health healthy. I mean, cause if you look at wild, I don't know for canine population, I know for, or sorry, feline populations, but canine populations like wild canines, like wolves, coyotes, fox, all these things, they, they heartworm doesn't affect them and they're outside, you know, 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. So, you know, again, they're eating the right species, appropriate foods. They're getting a proper amount of exercise, you know, all these things. So, but with the cats, I would still do the testing just to make double sure. Especially if you have, you know, I mean, not to say that mosquitoes can't get inside or maybe your cat goes outside maybe once in a while. Mm-hmm. And so it is, it is always a possibility. Um, So if you just want to err on the side of safety, then I would still do the, the uh, PCR test. Um, And I'll attach that guide to, we can attach that guide to this, to this podcast because I probably didn't explain it that well. But when you, this if you're if you're in the Columbus area, the example that they have on the guide is actually for our geographical location, so it makes it really easy. But if you're not, it's super easy to follow. Um,
1: yeah, I thought that was pretty and, clear. Um,
0: yeah, so that's what we do for our dogs. So we actually don't use any kind of uh, chemicals or drugs or anything like that. It's all just foolproof uh, microfloria testing twice a year. Love it. Yeah.
1: Now heartworm like. Is that the? Are those the drops? Like if you're not testing?
0: No, I think you're thinking of flea and tick.
1: Yep. Okay. Different topic. topical topical yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. The dog they're usually like chewable tablets, beef liver flavored tablets. It's usually like ivermectin or or something like that. And then and they and they're so yeah they act retroactively. So again they're not really preventatives. They're just killing whatever's in your dog's system in the last thirty days. But again. It's not, it's totally, I mean, even if you want to do them during the, the the heartworm season, that's fine, but at least give your dog a break during the winter. If you're mm-hmm. living in a climate where you actually have a winter, you know. Right. So they're not, you know, just give their body a break.
1: Your dog or cat is a member of your family. You want the very best for each and every member of your family, and that extends right down to the food that they eat.
0: For over 30 years, Northwest Naturals has been manufacturing the highest quality raw frozen pet foods in Portland, Oregon. For you, the pet owner... Northwest Naturals comes in convenient packaging, easy to open, easy to store, and easy to thaw and serve to your pets.
1: Quality ingredients, food safety, and the highest standards for manufacturing practices are what make Northwest Naturals the best complete and balanced raw food for your pet. Find out more in our podcast
2: show notes. This is Dr. Jim Carlson. We look forward to seeing you at Lifetime Pet Wellness Center. We have a friendly professional team and offer conventional medicine, dentistry, and surgery as well as integrative options such as acupuncture, chiropractics, nutritional medicine, Chinese herbal medicine, homeopathy, and more. We emphasize fresh foods because you wouldn't want to eat processed food every day, right? Visit us at lifetimepetwanus.com, Instagram, or Facebook, or give us a call at 614-888-2100
1: well thank you for listening and if uh, as always if you ever have a question if you want to direct message us on Instagram Fangs for Pets
0: yeah and I think we'll do another episode of, of Q&A here soon we have some more yeah. questions that we didn't answer um, these episodes but of course well we coming.
1: appreciate everyone who did send in a question um, we'll definitely get to it soon that's it I think
0: so it's wrap yeah cool The views and opinions on this podcast should not be used as an alternative to veterinary advice. We always encourage you to seek the professional advice of your vet. Before starting a raw diet, we encourage you to ask lots of questions, do your research, and speak with a qualified vet and or canine feline nutritionist.